All right, turn to First Chronicles 14 and James chapter 2. We're, we'll begin in First Chronicles 14, and then we will uh, go to James chapter 2, but then keep a marker at First Chronicles 14 because we're going to come back to First Chronicles 14, all right? And we're going to begin a new series this week entitled Elevate, Breaking Through to New Levels in Life. And I really want to key in on the words breaking through. Matter of fact, today's message is entitled, A Year of Breakthrough. And about two months ago, God began to speak this to me. Every year, it seems like He gives me a theme for the year. Something that I'm supposed to pray about that year. And something that I'm supposed to lead the church in that year. And this year, it's the theme of breaking through or having a breakthrough in your life. Now, I want to, want to read you some scripture on this. First Chronicles 14, verse 8. It says, now when the Philistines heard that David had been anointed king over all Israel, all the Philistines went up to search for David. We know this happened literally, but we can get a lesson from it. As soon as the enemy hears that something good is happening in your life, he comes against you. You can kind of see that in that first sentence. And David heard of it and went out against them. That's what we're to do. Not to be defensive, but to be offensive against the enemy. Then the Philistines went and made a raid on the valley of Rephaim. And David inquired of God, saying, Shall I go up against the Philistines? Will you deliver them into my hand? The Lord said to him, Go up, for I will deliver them into your hand. So they went up to Baal-perazim, and David defeated them there. Then David said, God has broken through my enemies by my hand like a breakthrough of water. Therefore, they called the name of that place Baal-perazim. And when they left their gods there, David gave a commandment, and they were burned with fire. Now, he describes this as a, as a breakthrough of water, like a, a dam that bursts, and there's no resistance now. There's nothing to hold the water back. It's been held back for so long, and now it can flow freely. Uh, I, I likened it to uh, the illustration of a drill. Most of us at some point have used a, a power drill to drill through something. And you're drilling and you're pushing and you're having to put pressure on it and you're pushing and pushing. And then all of a sudden, the drill breaks through the other side of the board or whatever you're drilling. And think about that. Once it breaks through, there's no more resistance. No resistance at all. I mean, it's just easy once it breaks through. That's what God wants to do in every area of our lives. God wants to bring a breakthrough in every area that you need a breakthrough. And I'm telling you, I believe that the Lord has spoken to me prophetically. This can be the year of breakthrough for you. And here's the wonderful thing. Wouldn't you like, in some areas where it's been very difficult and you've had to push and push and push and struggle, wouldn't you like to have a breakthrough and no more resistance in that area? Would that be okay? Okay. Well, the Lord has spoken to me two keys to having a breakthrough that we're going to talk about. These two keys will work in any area of your life. And he spoke this to me in November, so I've been holding this revelation for two months. Other than my wife and my close friends, they've been getting preached to. I've been very excited to tell you that I've got them. I've got the two keys to breakthrough. But before I share with you those two keys, I want to share with you seven areas that you're going to have a breakthrough in this year. All right? Now, in your, in your bulletin are sermon notes. Uh, if you've never taken notes, you're going to get to today. Because I want you to get that sheet out right now, and I put seven blanks on there so that you would have to fill in the blanks and write in there. 
And I, I want to give you these seven areas that you're going to have a breakthrough in this year, okay? So if you got your bulletin there, pull it out. And let me tell you the seven areas God's spoken to me that you're going to have a breakthrough. Number one is faith. In the area of your faith or your personal walk with God. You're, some of you have struggled for years with having a quiet time. You're going to have a breakthrough in that where it's not a struggle for you anymore, but it's a delight for you. Your understanding of the Bible, your walk with God, your worship, your intimacy with God. God's going to give you a breakthrough in the area of your faith. Number two is family. In family situations, maybe with children, maybe with grown children. Maybe you're, you're single and you're believing God for that, that perfect spouse, that, that mate that God has for you. I believe God is going to do some breakthroughs in many people's lives this year. I will give you a little practical advice. Uh, if, if you're single and you're looking for the perfect spouse, stop looking. Because you won't find the perfect one. You're going to find one like you, real messed up. But it's okay because God can take care of it. But I believe every person, single, married, or divorced, is going to have a breakthrough in their family this year. Third, finances. That would be okay to have a breakthrough in the area of finances and have no more resistance in that area. Would that be okay? And by the way, it's more than just making more money. It's managing that money correctly is why you have no resistance. So we're going to talk about that in this series. And we're going to do some messages on each of these topics. Number four is freedom. Areas of our lives that we have strongholds or bondages in. We're going to talk about how to get free, how to get free from anger, how to get free from bitterness, unforgiveness, resentment, lust. Certain bondages or strongholds that the enemy has in their life. How can you have a breakthrough in the area of freedom? Now, I argued with the Lord for a little while on the next one, but he clearly told me number five is fun. I said, Lord, are you sure the, break, the church needs a breakthrough in this area? He said, trust me. <laughs> I'm sure. Can I tell you something? Satan didn't create fun. He corrupted fun. God created fun and Satan corrupted it. God created... Who do you think created the, the mountains for you to climb? Who do you think created the oceans for you to sail on? Who do you think created the snow for you to ski on? <laughs> God did all this. God wants you to enjoy this earth. He created it. So he doesn't want you just to enjoy heaven. He created the earth, and He put you here for however long you're here to enjoy it. So we're going to talk about enjoying this life and having a breakthrough in this area. Now, number six and number seven are for you to fill in. Now, I had to put the words fill in because they start with F. That's right. And all of mine have to begin with the same letters. But all of yours don't, okay? You, here's what I want you to do. The Lord clearly said to me, there are some personal areas that I'm going to speak to each person. At least two. And you can put them in and say, I want to break through in this area. I want to break through in, in my vocational area. I, I've always been in dead-end jobs, never been able to do what I want to enjoy. I want to break through in this area. I want to break through with my uh, relationship with my teenagers. I want to break through with my relationship uh, with my friends. I want to break through. Whatever it is, you can put it in there. By the way, friends begins with F, so that one will work. It doesn't have to begin with F, though. But if you want it to begin with F, just let me know and I'll get you a word that begins with F for whatever you figure out. Now, turn to James chapter 2, all right? 
There are two keys. Two keys. Please, please hear this. Please listen to this message ten times until you get this down. There are two things. I'm, I can't even tell you how excited I am about this because these two keys will work in any area of your life. doesn't matter what area it is. It does not matter. Whatever area you need a breakthrough in, if you'll do these two things, you'll have a breakthrough in those areas. All right? James chapter 2, the two things are actually in the first verse we're going to read. Verse 14. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith, but does not have works. Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to him, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? That, that's referring right to what we're doing this weekend, by sending an offering to those in need. Not just saying, Be warmed and be filled. We prayed for them, but now we've got to do some works. You understand? We all need to give an offering. We prayed, now we need to do something. You have to do both. Thus also, watch verse 17, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. In other words, it won't produce anything. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Now, watch his response to that. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe, that means that you have faith, you believe that there is one God. He says, that's great. But even the demons believe. But they don't do anything about it, see. And tremble. But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Verse 26. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Alright, so what are the two keys to experiencing a breakthrough? Faith and Works. All right, let's talk about faith. Faith means we have to believe God for whatever He says. And I want to tell you how to have faith. I'm not just going to tell you to have faith. I'm going to tell you how to have faith. Um, you know, I've had several people, probably one of the most frequent comments I hear is, we like your preaching because it's so simple. Well, there's a, a good reason for that. I'm simple. I'm not complicated. I'm not complex at all. Here's another uh, compliment. I, I guess it's a compliment that I hear a lot. People say, our children like to listen to you. <laughs> well, we're on the same level. <laughs> so I'm going to make it's very simple. Everything I tell you, I'm not going to say, OK, if you'll just have faith, you'll be able to make it. I'm going to tell you how you have faith. All right. Very simply how to have it as well. Now, go back to First Chronicles 14. Verse 9, Then the Philistines went out and made a raid on the valley of Rephaim. And David inquired of God, inquired of God, saying, Shall I go up against the Philistines? Will you deliver them into my hand? And then verses 13 and 14, Then the Philistines once again made a raid on the valley. Therefore David inquired again of God. Notice, David inquired of God. That's the key to having faith. Here's the key to having faith. Ask God, shall I go up against them? And he asked him this, will you deliver them into my hand? And God said, yes, I will deliver them into my hand. Now listen to me carefully. Now he's got faith. That's it. That is it. The way you have faith is you ask God. And once God tells you what to do, you've got all the faith in the world. 
You're not moving on presumption. You're, you're not going any other. You don't have to dream it up or make it up or conjure it up. If you just ask God, you'll have faith. If you're, if you're dealing with something with your children, if you'll ask God how to deal with it, once God speaks to you, listen to me, you've got all the faith you need. Because I'm telling you, when you hear God, you have faith. That's what David did. David didn't need to ask anyone how to have war. David did not need to get anyone's counsel. David was a warrior. I, I, I hate to do this for some of you, but I know some of you picture David as a, as a, a little boy, a little shepherd boy with a slingshot. Well, I, I'm telling you, David looked more like Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know. He, he, he was big. He was strong. He was bad. He, he killed people. He was a warrior. He's the greatest warrior that's ever lived. Never been a greater warrior than David. Never. David liked a girl one time, said, I like that girl. Her father said, you want my daughter? You go kill 100 men. That got David a little upset, so he went and killed 200 men. This is the truth. And then, I just don't like the way people preach about David and talk about him, because he's talking about this little boy. David's a little, he's a little shepherd boy. He's just a little boy, and you know, he, the way he could kill the, 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 the giant was he killed a lion and a bear with his slingshot. Do you know that's not what the Bible says? It doesn't say he killed the lion and the bear with his sling. Here's what it says. David said, I grabbed the lion by the hair on his chin. I struck him, and he died. If David was a boy, he was a good-sized boy. I don't know if you've seen lions lately or bears, but this is the truth. This is the Bible. Here's a man who killed a bear with his hands. And he killed a lion with his hands. What I'm telling you is that he could have been very confident in his own ability. He's the greatest warrior that ever lived. You know, they sang songs about him. Saul is slain his thousands. David is ten thousands. This guy's awesome in battle. But here's what he does. The Philistines come against him. Here's what he does. He says, God, what do you want me to do? God, what do you want me to do? I I wonder, you know, here they come. They line up for battle. David takes his Bible and walks in a room alone. Now, I'm wondering if some of the older soldiers had to say to some of the younger soldiers, this is a good thing. Don't, don't worry about this. You know, the younger soldiers might be thinking, listen, he needs to be meeting with his generals right now. He needs to be coming up with a strategy. Here's what the older soldiers are saying. Listen, he is coming up with a strategy. And when he walks out of that room, he will have a word from God. And we're going to win this thing. Can you imagine the faith that the soldiers had when David walked out of that room? With the look on his face, I've heard God. This is what we're going to do, man. I mean, you, you, there's, there's, that's how you have faith. You have faith by hearing God. Romans, a very famous verse, Romans ten seventeen. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. You have to hear God's Word. Once you have a Word from God in your business, in your family, in your finances, in your health, in whatever area you're believing God for, once God speaks, you have faith. You, you have to understand this. Now, David could have responded one of... Three ways. Think, think about this. Where they camped was the valley of Rephaim. Rephaim means giants. They camped in the valley of giants. They wanted to remind David, yeah, you killed one giant, 
But we have many descendants of giants. Many of the Philistines were descendants of giants. So they camp in the valley of the giants to intimidate him. Now, David could have responded in one of three ways. He could have responded with overconfidence. He could have responded with, hey, I've killed a giant before. This is no big deal. I don't need to pray about this situation. I don't need to ask God. I know how to do war. I'm, I'm, I'm a great warrior. He could have responded with overconfidence. He could have responded with fear. He could have had thoughts like, you know, it's probably a lucky shot. You know, you got the giant on the first shot, but you brought four other stones, you know, just in case. And you got him on the first one, but that's just a lucky shot. You know, so he, uh, it's not going to happen again. He could have had fear. Or he could have responded the way he did in faith. And the reason he responded in faith, it's very, very simple, was he heard God. Faith comes by hearing God. This is, this is as simple as I can make it. You're not going to have a breakthrough unless you have faith. You're not going to have faith unless you hear God. Okay, well, let's make it even more simple than that. Then if you're not going to have a breakthrough unless you have faith, and you're not going to have faith unless you hear God, then what practical thing could you do in 2005 to have breakthroughs? Set aside time to hear God. Just set aside time to hear God. And I will go into very, a very practical way to have a quiet time. It, uh, it was so hard for me for years, and I'm going to go into a very practical way in this series of how to have a time with God. Listen to me. Faith is not a blind leap. That is the worst statement that's ever been made, and I don't know what preacher made it first, but he should have never made that. Faith is not a blind leap. Thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Listen to me. When God gives you a word, you have enough light to take the next step. It's not a blind step. It's a step on the word of God. And we have to come to that place where we take time to hear God. What's God saying about your family? What's He saying about your finances? What's He saying about your relationships? What's He saying about your freedom? What's God saying? Once you hear God, you'll have faith. Now, the Lord has spoken to me a prophetic word for all of you. If you're here at this church, I have a word for you. And and I'm excited about this word. For two months, I've been praying over this passage of Scripture because there was one thing that I didn't understand. And this week, not only did the Lord give me the revelation of it, but he then applied it. The same passage in 1 Chronicles 14, you can stay there because we're going to come back to it, all right? But I just want to show you one verse from the, uh, the parallel passage. And if you want to write it down, you can write it down. It's probably in your notes. 1 Samuel 14 tells this story, but so does 2 Samuel 5. In 2 Samuel 5, verse 20 says, So David went to baal Perazim, and David defeated them there, and he said, The Lord, now that Lord there is Jehovah. The Lord has broken through my enemies before me like a breakthrough of water. Therefore, he, David, called the name of that place Baal-perazim. Now, remember two months ago I got this scripture from the Lord. And he began to speak to me about this series of messages. There's one thing, though, for two months I've been saying, I don't understand that. I don't understand that. And let me tell you what I don't understand. David named the, this place, Baal Perizim. Baal Perizim. Does that not bother you? I want you to think about it. Baal is the name of the Philistine God. Why didn't he name it Jehovah Perizim? See? And, and there's no doubt he credits the victory to Jehovah because he says, Jehovah, the Lord, which that Hebrew word is Jehovah, Jehovah 
has caused me to break through my enemies like a breakthrough water. So he credits the victory to God, but he names the place Baal Perizim. Well, I began to study on this, and here's what I found out. This mountain was named Mount Baal before. There was a temple of Baal there. If you, if you rack in 1 Chronicles 14, the last verse we read in 1 Chronicles 14 a while ago says that David gathered up all of their gods, their idols, and burned them there. So that's where all their idols were. That's where their gods were. This was their high place. This was their temple. This place was called Mount Baal before this. And so he names it Baal Perizim. This is why he named it that. This is the place where the enemy thought he was the strongest and the most secure. That's why the Philistines gathered there. And so he, David comes in. God gives him the victory. He breaks through. But he names it Baal Perizim. Listen, he didn't name it Baal Perizim because he wasn't trying to say, this is where Baal broke through. This is what he was saying. This is where Baal was broken through. This is where Baal was defeated. And I want all of you to remember from now on, and I'm going to name it, it was called Mount Baal, but now it's called Baal is Broken. That's what it's called. Baal is defeated. Baal has been broken through by God. Now, here's the word the Lord spoke to me. The place in your life where the enemy thinks he's the strongest is the place where God desires to give you a breakthrough. You should have gotten more excited about that. The place in your life, even where you feel, is the enemy's strongest place in your life. What is it? What is that place that you've never been able to get victory in? Listen to me. You can have a victory in that area. It doesn't matter. The highest place that the enemy has in your life is still lower than God's authority and God's victory. God is going to, I'm giving you a personal word, and I want you, if you'll receive this, if you'll hear it, you can have victory this year. God wants to give you a breakthrough in the area of your life where you don't think you can have a breakthrough. All right. That's faith. Here's the second thing I want to talk about. Works. Now, what's the definition of dead faith? According to James 2, we read it in a moment ago. What would you say is the definition of dead faith? Faith without works, right? So, if you say you have faith, but you don't have works, you really don't have faith, right? You have dead faith. Nothing's going to happen. So, you're going to have to put works, put, put action to what you say you believe in, in, for your faith to be example. And let me say it this way. The proof of faith is works. That's what James is telling us. If any person says he has faith but doesn't have works, his faith is dead. His faith is useless. So the proof of true faith is works. Now, 1 Chronicles 14, look at verse 13. 1 Chronicles 14, verse 13. Then the Philistines once again made a raid on the valley. Therefore David inquired again of God. And God said to him, You shall not go up after them. Circle around them and come upon them in front of the mulberry trees. And it shall be when you hear a sound of marching, now watch this carefully, in the tops of the mulberry trees, then you shall go out to battle, for God has gone out before you to strike the camp of the Philistines. Now, look at this statement again. When you hear a sound of marching in the tops of the mulberry trees. Now, that's a real familiar sound, isn't it? You've probably heard that sound a lot, haven't you? 
When you're out walking in the woods and you hear soldiers marching in the tops of the trees, have you heard that sound before? Let me tell you what I'm trying to tell you. This would take faith. Wouldn't this take faith? First of all, David goes, goes back to his generals and says, okay, listen, we're not going to attack the same way we just got victory in. What, what we just did and we were uh, was successful and it worked, we're not going to do that. We're going to go around by those trees over there, those mulberry trees, and we're going to hear the sound of marching in the tops of the trees. And when we hear that, we're going to attack. Okay? Now, again, some of the older soldiers said, great, he's got a word from God. It's crazy, but it's a word from God. It, we've had this before. We've had this happen to us before. Now, don't you think some of the younger soldiers were like, what are we going to hear in the tops of the trees again? Marching? Okay. <laughs> See, it took, it took faith, but it not only took faith, it took obedience. Let me give you another definition of works. Obedience. Obedience. That's what works is. Obedience. In other words, when God says something to you, you obey. Now, let me give you, again, some more words for faith and works. How about this? Pray and obey. Pray and obey. Inquire of God, but then when God speaks to you, you have to do it. What if David had said, that's crazy. That's crazy. I'm going to attack the same way I did before. What do you think would have happened? See, he had to not only inquire of God, but he had to obey. He had to do what God told him to do. And when he did it, that's what he did. The, the, a simple definition of works is do what God says. Do what God says. And, and by the way, this is if you want to increase your faith, let me tell you, the, the, uh, the, the question I get asked the most as a pastor, after years of ministry, the question I'm asked the most is, how can I hear God? And we're going to talk about that some more. But how can I hear God? How can I hear God more clearly? Well, I'm going to tell you an answer that you probably would never even think of. Here's the best way you can hear God. Obey the next thing He says. That's the best way. Obey the little prompting you get from the Holy Spirit. And the more you obey, the more you're going to hear. Faith and works. Pray and obey. Matthew 7. Let me show you the last thing Jesus told in the, in the uh, Sermon on the Mount. The last few verses of the Sermon on the Mount, maybe you've never seen it this way, but it's got faith and works written in it. Watch this. Matthew 7, verse 24. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine... Now, faith comes by what? Hearing. Whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them. Do you see faith and works? (laughs) Whoever hears and obeys. Whoever has faith and works, I will liken to a wise man who builds his house on the rock... The rain descended, floods came, winds blew, beat on the house. It did not fall, for it was found on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them. Now, I want you to notice, who hears and doesn't do it. In other words, he has faith, but he doesn't have works. He hears. See, some of you have never seen this. The foolish man heard. The foolish man still heard. This is a person who goes to church. This is, a per- this is not a lost person. Jesus said, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does not do them is like a foolish man who builds his house on the sand. Rain descended, floods came, winds blew, and beat on that house, and it fell. And great was the fall of it. So, you have to hear God. The difference between the wise man and the foolish man was the foolish man not only, uh, the wise man not only heard, but he obeyed. He did it. Faith and works. Pray and obey. Now, 
I found, I'm going to give you a little insight into how God speaks. I found that there are two ways that God speaks. And um, if you're going to have to think about it for a little while, but it'll, it'll, it'll hit you in a little while. You'll, you'll say, yeah, I think, you think he's right. There's two voices that God uses when he speaks. Okay? One is a whisper. It's a soft, still, small voice. And you've heard it before. You've heard that little God, just, just a small voice, just a little, little impression, right? Okay. So one is God whispers. Here's the second way God speaks. He shouts. Now, personally, I haven't found anything in between for me. And maybe, maybe it's different for you. But, and, and for me, it seems like God begins every sentence with the same word. Hey. Again, I'm, I may be weird. I don't know. You can just chalk it up to that if you want. But it seems like I'm driving down the road and I hear, Hey. 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 Just a little whisper. But then there are other times when I do something, you know, that I shouldn't do, and I hear, Hey! Hey! And now don't, don't get offended because I'm going to tell you this, but it, it seems like that sometimes I hear another word after the loud, Hey. Dummy. Hey, dummy. What are you doing? What are you thinking? Go back and apologize right now. That's wrong and you know it's wrong. It seems like God speaks very loudly to me or very softly. Can any of you relate to this? There are times when I hear Him so clearly and there are other times when I just had this little impression and I didn't do it and I think to myself, Oh, I knew I should have done that. I knew I should have said that. Just this little, you know, uh, one of my friends said to me, he said, uh, I feel like I've gotten to the place I can hear God when he speaks loudly. But it's when, it's when he goes, Psst, that I'm trying to learn to hear him better. And he said, I've had, I have all these times in my life that I had this little, Psst, Psst. and he said, I go back and I think, oh, I wish I would have listened to that. That's what God's doing. He's trying to get us to the place that we listen and that we listen clearly to what He says. And sometimes He's going to speak loudly and sometimes He's going to speak softly. Now, you might wonder, why is He still talking about hearing God? You know, He's got two points, faith and works. And the way you have faith is you hear God. And now He's talking about works, but He's still talking about hearing God. Okay, listen to me clearly. Now, I'm going to tell you why I'm still talking about hearing God when I talk about works. Listen clearly to me. A moment ago, we read in the Bible where it talked about dead faith. The Bible talked about dead faith. And dead faith is what? Faith without works. That's dead faith, right? Okay. But did you know that the Bible also talks about dead works? Is that right? Hebrews 6 says we are to repent from dead works. Uh, Hebrews 9 says that His blood cleanses our conscience so that we don't serve through dead works. So there are dead works. Now, would you like the definition of dead works? You ready for this? Works without faith. Faith without works is dead faith. Works without faith are dead works. They're dead. All right, let me give you a definition of dead works. Okay, here's a definition of a dead work. Any work that God doesn't initiate, that's a dead work. 
Any work that God doesn't initiate is a dead work. So the reason that I'm talking about hearing God when I talk about works is because there's a lot of people that go out and do a whole lot of things to try to please God, but God didn't speak it, therefore it's a dead work. It doesn't bring life, and it doesn't bring a breakthrough. If you want a breakthrough, you're going to have to do both of these things. You're going to have to hear God and do it. Hear God and do it. If you want a breakthrough in your finances, you can't just pray about getting out of debt. You've got to stop spending. That's faith and works, you know? Uh, and think about this. If you're trying to get out of debt, and you walk up to a counter... And you pull out the credit card, and you hear this, hey, listen to me, step away from the counter. <laughs> step away from the counter. All right. <laughs> that reminded me of something. Debbie and I have this little thing that I don't, I don't, I don't, we never understood this, but you know, I have the little remote to unlock the car doors. You have to push the remote twice to unlock the passenger door. She doesn't understand that yet. I push it once, and as soon as she hears the driver's door click, you know, you hear that, I'm trying to push again, and she tries to do it. Well, when she tries to do it, it won't, un- are, you, are any of you, have you ever done this? It won't do it. And, and so I'm trying to push the button, but she won't stop. She, is it unlocked now? But it's unlocked now. I'll try it right now. I bet he's got it right now. It's probably unlocked now. I bet it's right. It's unlocked right now. I bet it's right now. I'll try it right now. And finally, the other day, I said to her, step away from the car. <laughs> Last night, we got in the car, and she said to me, you know, I, can, I, I got a, a way we can fix that. I said, really? Because this has been going on for years. She said, yeah. She said, you can walk around and open my door. <laughs> okay. It wasn't that, wasn't that good. <laughs> just, just wait. Just wait. The point is, if you're trying to get out of debt, you've got to stop spending. You, you understand what I'm saying? You can't pray about something and not do something about it. You'll never have a breakthrough if you only pray about it and then don't obey what you hear. If you're trying to, to, to get out of debt, you can't keep spending. If you're trying to manage your money, you, you have to get on a budget. If, if, you're, if, you're, if you're asking God to bless you, you can't be stealing from Him. It's just not going to work. You're going to have to do something. That's what I'm trying to tell you. Pray and obey. All right. I'll give you one last illustration, then we're finished. I have a friend of mine that they got a phone call about 3 in the morning. One of their friends was having a baby. And so he got up and was getting ready and was going to go down to the hospital. And uh, he was thinking to himself, which car should I drive? He has a, a car that he owns personally, and then he has a car that his company owns. And he's the owner of the company, but he, he drives it to and from the company and things like that for company business. And so the reason he was thinking about which car to take is because he thought, well, you know, it's 3 in the morning. I'll go down there. I'll be there for a few hours. I'll probably go straight to work afterwards. And so I, I, I probably, I can t- I'll take the company car. And then he thought, well, but I might not go straight to work afterwards. I might come back here, so I, I should take the personal car. No, I think I'll, go to, I'll take the company car. And he was going through this 3 in the morning, you know. And the Lord spoke to him and said, why don't you ask me which car to take? Why don't you ask me? I know what you're going to do afterwards. Why don't you ask me? 
And so he, he, he said, okay. And he remember, he sat down, and his wife even said to him, what are you doing? Because he was rushing around trying to go quickly. And he said, I feel like I'm supposed to pray about which car to take. And so he sat down, and he prayed, and the Lord said, take the company car. You'll go to the company afterwards. Take the company car. So he said, okay. So he got in the company car. He's on the way. He's on 635 in Dallas, going about 65 miles an hour, the speed limit, 60, whatever it was. A drunk driver going probably over 100 miles an hour came behind him and hit him, totaled his vehicle completely, injured his back, uh, went for several years with severe back problems, lost profits in his company, lost wages, lost job, medical expenses, all these things, lost jobs in his company. The person that hit him had a $25,000 limit on, on, the, on his vehicle. The person that hit him also, also the other thing was that the Lord spoke to him when he was there. He started to get out to go down to the other vehicle, and the Lord told him, don't go down there. And uh, found out later that the man was wanted for murder, and he's in prison right now. So he stayed in his vehicle. The, the personal car that he didn't take had a $25,000 limit on, on insurance as well for personal injury. His company car had a million dollars. His insurance company, for lost wages, pain and suffering, paid him $1 million. Now listen to me. That prayer at 3 in the morning was a $975,000 prayer. Is that right? You know, you hear about a $40,000 putt. $975,000 prayer. Because he said to God, which one should I take? And he prayed and he obeyed. This is the key to the Christian life. Pray and obey. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. What area do you need a breakthrough in? This can be your year of breakthrough, but you will have to do two things. You'll have to hear God in that area, and you'll have to do what He says. Lord, I pray that you will take us to a new level of faith. Take us to a new level of works. Take us to a new level of prayer. Take us to a new level.